0: This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Ann Dale Rose and Ahanu.
1: Morning, everybody. Welcome to our Honest to God series show today. This is Ingael Rose, and my Ahanu is sitting right next to me with playing with the dials. Now, Ahanu, I I said that because you always say that I'm just a weather person. So, but I do have to say, I do have Aha, to say, you're
2: choosing a different <laughs> starting. You're really throwing me off my 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 plan this morning, aren't you? Because I was going to comment on the weather. <laughs>
1: Well, I'll let you comment on the weather then. Go ahead.
2: No, I have nothing to say because we're in California and it's the same old, same old, every well, it's, single... It's
1: actually not the same old. It's cold. It's been cold. I actually closed the window last Angel night. Angel
2: Rose. Cold. Cold. Now, come on. 69 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> you know, you've become a Californian. This is what's I know. happening.
1: And I'm not complaining because the sun is beautiful. Absolutely. And... uh we hump- we bunkered down yesterday, Johanna. We did not participate in the Black Friday mayhem. And uh, I know, we but stayed home and we, we worked. Weren't we good little we boys and girls? We did work, home? you know.
2: But we did actually see somebody, I don't know was it on Facebook or somewhere, somebody sent us a link to the mayhem that was taking I place know. at the, the storefronts, the doorbusters, as they call them. And my God, the people were actually trampling on top of each other. I know. It was crazy, wasn't I it? I know,
1: it was crazy. It's insanity, all right. It's absolute insanity. And
2: somebody passed the comment that what would happen if it was actually food that they were looking for, you know, if there was some shortage of food. I mean, here they are going after electronics and fridges and televisions and things. Imagine if it was food. Oh, my God, I hate to think of it. However, let's keep our minds positive.
1: Yeah, let's not go there. Mm. However, because we soon hopefully will have a guest who will be talking to us about aquaponics, which is one of the solutions to the food issue, and uh, we'll be happy to talk to him. But, no more than that. More than that, you know, last week our listeners may have um, been waiting, you know, excitedly to talk to Penny Kelly, one of our very, very favorites, and uh we do have to tell our listeners that Penny did have a death in the family, and this is the reason uh, she was not here. She was helping out, and we offer her our sincerest sympathies because um I've lost a sister myself. I know what it's like. So but she did agree to come talk to us today, Hanno during this difficult time for her and her family so we are blessed we are very blessed to have we her here with us. We are absolutely
2: yes and also uh, our listeners were so disappointed last week we did of course try to engage them as much as we could without the great Penny Kelly but you know it, there was certainly something missing and we are so delighted to have her with us today and we've had Penny Kelly with us several times of course in the past where we discussed consciousness and energy and all kinds of great stuff like her work with Dr Levingood on crop circles and bovine incisions and we read avidly her book The Elves of Lily Hill Farm and the fact that she has a fantastic learning center up there in Lawton, Michigan and for any of you that may have missed those episodes do, do go back on the archives either in blog talk radio on our own websites at angelrose.com forward slash podcasts and we also have them up on World of Empowerment now we are changing that format soon so that they will all be in one place and we will be making an announcement about that soon but back to Penny Penny is a writer she's a teacher a consultant a speaker she's a publisher and a naturopathic physician you know when I read her books Angel Rose I always wonder how she has the time to be able to do all that she does and teach and run a farm and look after her family and work, do all everything that she has to do. My God, it's absolutely amazing because the way she describes in her books the day-to-day running of her life, and that includes multi-dimensional travel also and experiments in consciousness and all that. It's just, she is amazing. Now, here's the thing though. She has been researching and exploring consciousness, cognition, perception and intelligence for over 30 years and six books of her own she has written at the same time as doing all of that but she also publishes books on the subject of spirituality and health for others and she has shared with us her experiences of consciousness and the growth of awareness and the most recent time that she was on we actually discussed dreams and and whether Jesus actually ever really lived or not. That was really, really exciting. And you will find that in the archives. And I did mention that to to go back on the archives at angelrose.com. Let me clarify up front that that's difficult to spell. Because it is an Irish name for angel. And she's here again. Our special angel, Angel Rose. It's spelled A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E. Dot com So you can use that as an email address also, AngelRose at AngelRose.com to get in touch with us, or if you want to dial in today, the number to call in is 805-292-0349. And today with Penny Kelly, we're continuing our discussions on consciousness, but specifically about Kundalini.
1: All right, and we'll bring her on in just a few minutes, Ahana, but we just want to really quickly um, talk about our free online Akashic Record session tomorrow. We do one free, one a month, and it is tomorrow, December, what is it? Uh, second? First? Second? Yeah, it must be first. December 1st, and uh, it's 10 a.m. Pacific time, so if you are interested in being a participant uh, on that record session tomorrow, do go to worldofempowerment.com and sign up. All right, and let's just keep these brief then. How do we think of some ads at the end? But let's get Penny on so she can get back to her family, okay? So let's get her there. Hi, Penny, are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Can you hear us? Yep, just fine. Perfect. Good morning, good morning. (laughs) Good morning. So glad you're here. Hi, Penny. Hello. Penny, we really That's appreciate good. you coming on today.
3: Thank you, thank you. It's been a little bit of a rough week, but um I, I'm telling, you, uh, Hano, I, I really, I'm kind of grateful for the diversion. I just can't cry anymore. I'm a little bit foggy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, from all the tears and stuff, but, uh, I uh it's you know life goes on life moves um endlessly forward right. and uh I think you know I've learned so much just in I've been here for a month uh taking care of my sister and uh we were sure she was going to make it but then her heart gave out and so Um, You know, lots of things I've learned about energy and the movement of energy through the body or not, which over the long term results in disease if you don't allow that energy, which is it's actually feeling, you know, if you can't feel it, it isn't moving. Penny.
2: it's just that simple how can you learn anymore I mean reading your books it seems like you are just on a constant quest of learning and even in the difficult circumstances in your family now you, you're looking to learn more about life and about the human body and consciousness she's
1: this is what an enlightened being does Ahana. they don't just sit on their I know
2: it seems like there's no end to our capacity for learning yeah,
1: yeah? that's true Yes, and I think
3: um, you know it's the it's the the kundalini is actually the doorway to uh, rewiring the brain, and that when that happens, there's you know I make jokes about it, but you end up with this um, at times and regularly unlimited perception and um, an ability to like put things together and this you know this. Uh, kind of learning process it's different from i think a little bit (laughs) from what i was you know doing when i was in grade school and high school i studied then and i you know and i memorized a lot and um but what happens when you have a kundalini experience is that you enter unlimited consciousness it does rewire your brain instantly it opens all the circuits and the result is this eight track mind that is always on, always going, and it's like a multi channel television set and radio, mm-hmm.
2: all in one. And in, in your circumstances there in your family at the moment, and, you know, forgive me, I, I don't want to, uh, as you said, this is, this will um, be a distraction for you. But I'm, yeah, I'm trying to get at your, your learning that you've done all through the years with consciousness and specifically about Kundalini and that growth of awareness that it has given you. Many, many people ask us about death and in your understanding now and in your learning and growth around that, the, 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 this, this death issue, what's your understanding from uh, that spiritual perspective now about what's, what's really going on?
3: Um, as far as death is concerned, yeah. um, I think I would have to say, um, years and years ago I started exploring the other side, what I called, you know, where did those people go, <laughs> you know, who died. Mm-hmm. And um and I had a a good friend, his name was Bob Monroe, he wrote some books and um and they were about out of body stuff. And we would talk, and he um, and I had both discovered this place um, that, you know, I, I don't know what he called I called it the, oh, um, uh, God, I can't even remember what I called it. <laughs> but it was this walls totally complete city, I guess would be the best description of it, place where people lived. And the first time I went there... Um, I, you know, I, I went in through the gates and, and I wandered around and I thought, you know, okay, this is, this is where the dead are. They don't look dead. They don't act dead. <laughs> um, it looked like they were in another place that was very similar to Earth and they were doing things that were very similar to what was being done by them when they were alive here in our particular dimension mm-hmm. of life.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And I was so disappointed. I thought, what? It's just more of the same old, same old? Uh, yes. And, you know, I was uh, really, I thought this must be a mistake. Um, so, yeah, I laughed after a while and thought, okay. Um, but then the next time I went back to the way station, uh, that's what I called it, the way station. Mm. It was a place on the way to what I imagined was heaven. And, um, at the, at the way station second visit, um, I got in a little bit deeper and, um, you know, and saw that people were seeking to learn and expand on what they had done here, if at all possible. And if they hadn't done much here, they were looking to expand themselves in some way. For instance, my mom just died as well. And so, um, you know, I I had already learned, because we have a huge, huge family, um, and I had already learned that people go to this place, all the people who speak English go to an English-speaking place. That's how it looked to me.
2: Yeah, I um, often wondered was, about that. I, hmm. What was that? I, I say I often wondered about that, and even more so the fact that many people who have had near-death experiences they all report too that they would see their particular deity. In other words a Catholic would see Jesus for example or a Muslim would see Muhammad. Do you know? And I often wondered why was that the case? So from your experience then are you saying that in lots of ways we we actually carry on the impetus of our consciousness in from this world into that world?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that um, really, you know, got my attention because I realized that if I didn't do more with my consciousness, if I didn't shift it, if I didn't, um, you know, really work with it, and I was harboring, you know, either hatred or resentment or anger, I would be drawn to places where those kinds of issues could be really serious um, I've been in a few places that were just awful that were I, I wouldn't wish my worst enemy to spend one second of time there for any reason and and you, you end up realizing that there are many many worlds out there we tend to um, gather let's say like when my mom died um, just recently she ended up being greeted by uh, her sister and her brother. They had died the year or two before her. And, you know, my mom had a big family. She was one of 14. And the, um, what I realized, you know, was that I needed to, um, you know, expect, I, I needed to trust that they would come and get her because you can get lost out there wandering. If you, um, you know, if you don't interact with the light in just mm-hmm. the right way.
0: Right. And, and I
3: don't want to scare anybody, but, um, there are a lot of people who die, don't realize they're dead for quite a long time. And the perception of time is different when you're out of this particular dimension. Yes. And anyway, you know, people gather in these huge, huge cities and, um, you know, and they, It's very different in that um, they're beautiful, they're loving, they're kind, they're still people who have lessons to learn who are struggling, fighting, you know, with their jealousy or with their selfishness or with their anger or with their laziness or whatever. But everybody gets a job. And so my mother, when she went over, um, the first thing you have to do is heal back to your state of physical perfection. And, um, and that may not be the life you just had. And then the second thing after you're fully healed is you will be assigned some kind of work or you will ask for some kind of work. And my mother asked to be a messenger. She said she was never a good speaker and she wanted to be able to speak. Um, and and I was just really surprised at that. I was like, oh, um, yeah, that, I suppose that, is a a good place to learn how to be comfortable um, with anybody delivering information and messages.
1: Well, Penny, let me me ask you uh, then, because, you know, I know when my grandfather died, you know, he always wanted to have a boat marina on the lake. And, in fact, you know, a couple years before he died, he went ahead and had a boathouse built, and he had ordered canoes and motors, and anyway, apparently he didn't have the money to do that. So my my family committed him to a mental hospital <clears throat> for a year oh. because they thought he was uh, manic, right? And oh, uh, I always felt so sad about that. But, you know, after he died, he actually came to me, and he was happy as a clam, and he had his boat marina. He was actually mm-hmm. running his boat marina. And... I've seen that, too, when my great-grandparents passed over. You know, they were very close, and I saw that they were still living in a house that was similar to the one they had on Earth, with a white picket fence around it and everything else. They were continuing on. But let me ask you, though, because that seems to happen in the spirit world, why do we descend to Earth in the first place then? Um, usually
3: because we are in a hurry to change core energetic function within the being. So you can't change very easily in a place where everybody loves you and everybody thinks you're fabulous and everybody nobody um, you know says anything or confronts and you don't have to make any different uh, or do anything different in your approach to life. And if you're not going to change at your core to become a really conscious creator of life and, and a, someone who manages situations in life with a certain amount of love and trust and et cetera, a lot of people just react, they blow up. Um, You know, and that still does happen on the other side. People whine and complain a little bit, not nearly as much though. And, you know, you end up saying, you know, I I think I. you, you end up studying your life in great detail. Every single thing you have ever thought, felt, done, said, wished is stored in your energy system. The, um, the stuff that we're made of, this light, is um, almost like a recording medium. And everything you think and do is recorded there in every detail and every nuance. Is this what and, they call
2: the Akashic Records then? Is that that space of information?
3: Yes, yes. Okay. And, it, you know, it, it's really a how much information is out there there's a um, there's a theory that you've all heard of we've all heard of called the Big Bang Theory and that the you know whatever exploded and the universe keeps expanding well you know it isn't that there was an explosion and we're at the tail end of that explosion it's that every single individual is able to literally um, expand space and what's called mind space. And that's why the whole thing is expanding at this phenomenal rate because of all of the consciousness that exists. And there'll come a point where you know this particular cosmos will split just like a cell will split. And it looks like it's maybe chaotic out there in space, but it's not. It's very organized. It's very ordered. And we are just so small in our perspective that we don't get out there and we don't apprehend or, or really take in, you know, the, the levels of awareness and incredible intelligence that operate what I call the system of life. That we are part of.
2: Yeah. So, when we, coming full circle now with that, and coming back to kundalini, do you feel uh, and believe that when we nurture that energy of kundalini, that we actually are aligning ourselves with that greater purpose, that that Big Bang theory effectively, that we're we're accessing that recording of all life, and we're doing here in this life what we should. While uh, a lot of people leave until the next life to do, do you yes. understand yeah so so the no, opening absolutely. of Kundalini that's,
0: that's
2: yeah, the opening of Kundalini then is a is a fundamental part of the success of this life, really, is that what you 're saying
3: that 's true. I think of Kundalini, people ask me all the time, what is that <laughs> and and I say it 's a full, spontaneous awakening of consciousness. And they're kind of like, okay. So then I'll sometimes say it's this massive electromagnetic event in the body in which every single part of you takes in or has this electromagnetic charge which runs through you, and it is the first step to enlightenment. You enter into the light. When you enter into Kundalini, when you have a, you enter into the God state, and and it's not what people think it is. It's this enormous, indescribable, intelligent light, and it's on. on a very it looks like you're in the sky, <laughs> you know. It looks like you're in among the stars, except that it's absolutely unmoving and silent and and these these stars just you keep spreading out as you enter into this you your consciousness is like this wave that spreads through the entire um i don't know i can't even say universe or cosmos because that is too small a word to describe it and and what you see if there's anything to see there's nothing really no form to see but what you see is this immense kind of a night sky, blue, dark, blue-black sky with these billions of little twinkling lights. And those lights are very intelligent. And you know at that moment that you are those lights. So when you come back into form, you're very, very different at that point. You have taken in a certain kind of of energy you have expanded beyond the energy boundaries that you have set before and it's um, it changes life instantly all of your life and all of your consciousness okay, and so, that starts a process yeah, this and is that a process good point. is the process of enlightenment
1: yeah this is a good point though Penny if you could really go back and tell our listeners your own Kundalini experience because I'm very interested in and having our listeners know how it happened for you and what you went through, well, you know, what has your journey been to this awakening? Because I know a lot of it wasn't really comfortable, and you know. So, so go ahead and um, can you tell our listeners your story, and then yeah. we'll, we'll get into this a little deeper.
3: Okay, um, it, you know, I, I wasn't doing anything is, was the, the thing that was so boggling about it. I wasn't uh, familiar with anything metaphysical. I wasn't active in a church. I wasn't, um, you know, the, the only thing that I can point to and say here's what happened is that I had been through a uh, Like first, I was an engineer for Chrysler, and, and the first thing I did was, I wanted to go through the glass ceiling, you know, and break through that ceiling for women. I wanted to be the CEO of Chrysler. So I, when I became an engineer, I decided that I was going to get a counselor, a therapist kind of person, that would help me break through my boundaries. And, um, you know, and I called it my six months of counseling, Therapy, coaching, whatever you want to call it, um, to reach my power. And, you know, and we were doing some things. I wasn't really comfortable with any of them, but there were a few things that were okay, um, you know, that were useful. And the second thing that was happening at that point in time was that I had, um, I, I guess I'd have to say, I lost my kids. I made a deal with my ex husband. He lived right across the street from me, that my kids could go and live with him for one year so I could finish the last year of college. I was still working at Chrysler. They were going to pay for that last year, and so that was the setup. And and so I was having nowhere to put my love, and I had this tremendous love for my children that I really didn't recognize until they went to live across the street. And then I ended up moving out by the bay in Mount Clemens, Michigan and, you know, and I fell in love for the first time and it was a Saturday night. I remember we had been out, um, you know, doing stuff, uh, ordinary stuff over the day and, um, you know, it, all of a sudden, about 8, 8.30 at night, this gets kind of personal here, um, I looked across the room at the the guy that I was absolutely totally in love with, and there was just this very smoky look between the two of us. And I said to the kids, uh, you know what, guys, if you want to make some popcorn, because they were visiting that day, um, go ahead. I'm going to bed. And so I went to bed and just barely started to make off. It hadn't even really started and all of a sudden there was this rumbling sound and then and my first thought was oh the jets are are taking off and landing because we lived right down the street from selfridge air force base and you know those jets would do practice runs landing and take off over and over and so i thought the jets were taking off and then It felt like there was an earthquake happening, like the entire room was shaking. And I, you know, there was a curious kind of thing. There was this this rumbling sound that I first thought was just was getting stronger and stronger. And then this, you know, this earthquake happening. And then all of a sudden there was this blast like a freight train right up the center of me. And it. What I say now is that it felt like each, as each nerve plexus was hit by this incoming energy, it just had this massive orgasmic kind of convulsion. And there was just, you know, bing, 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 bing right up, it hit my brain and exploded, and I was gone. It was, I was in this place that was absolutely silent. It was, um, this, you know, like this blue black sky with these billions of little stars, little twinkling lights. And, and one thought, only one thing existed there, and that was, I am. And, and you know at that moment that you are all that is, and that you're made of that light, and so is everything else, and that light is communicating among and between and (laughs) with itself. And, you know, and and it was just this... I just hung there for the longest time. Mm
2: -hmm. And And, do you think, Penny, that that was triggered by love? Or do you think it was triggered by desire? Or what initiated that, do you think?
3: I think it was um, a combination. So now let me go back to the therapy thing. One of the things that I had had to face, um, you know, in this whole period of time because I had gotten a divorce and then, you know, taking my kids on and and trying to go to school and, you know, get an education and all this stuff. Um, And there was this, you know, this idea that I needed to not be running from the truth of what was in front of me. Not be hiding from how I felt. I, you know, and so my whole modus operandi was this, um, attitude of being able, being willing to totally immerse myself in the moment and whatever that moment was bringing me. Pain, love, joy, work, laughter, um, confusion. You know, whatever, it didn't matter. I was fully there. And that had become a practice. When I got into bed that night and we started to make love, I was fully present. There was nothing else that existed in the world at that moment for me. And and that is what I think triggered that opening, that allowing of these massive energies to fill me. When those massive energies hit, you know, if if I had never come out of that state, I would never even know that I had ever had a life because in that God state, you are totally unaware that you exist as an individual, that you ever had a body, that there is this thing called planet Earth. There was no awareness of my children, of my You know, my cat, my house, my job—nothing.
2: And speaking about the children, I I know Angel Rose has said this many times on the radio and in her writings, where she—it was one of the reasons that brought her back from a wonderful spiritual experience—was the concern for her children. Do you think it's those kinds of concerns that keeps us here, as opposed to allowing ourselves to expand into that wonderful state of bliss?
3: Um, yes, there are some rules that are very seldom talked about. Um, I not, I'm not even sure if they're understood or known. Um, when you create, doesn't matter what you create. you are responsible for that creation forever until it evolves and re-enters the light. So if you have children, You are responsible for bringing those children up in such a way that you and they can re-enter this place of joy and light and power and wisdom and grace and laughter and creativity and on and on. And so what happens when you have children, let's say you do a really bad job and then you die. Now, as soon as you get, you know, through the death experience, you are reviewing, looking at your entire life. You're knowing everything that you have done. And there's this incredible angst or agony when you realize what you did and what you could have done, what you might have been able to make happen. And that agony or that angst or whatever often um keeps us from forgiving ourselves because we can't forgive ourselves we then end up deciding we have to come back and fix it and so there you get right there the wheel is called the wheel of karma it's not because we can't or we owe anybody anything we just have to realize we were where we were when we were there that was the best that we could be at that moment and it's it's always very difficult to see people coming back because they feel like they owe somebody something. If somebody's coming back to make the world a better place, yeah, that's much easier, much less traumatic. But if you're coming back because you're caught in karma and you can't forgive yourself, then you're going to have a rough time.
1: What about when your kids get a their own age of reasoning, Penny. I mean, you know, you still feel that you're responsible for them even when they're, quote-unquote, able to think and decide and, you know, kind of carry on with their own lives. Well, yeah,
3: um, because they're not anywhere close to being able to take up their own self and start moving that self toward the light. Most people think as soon as the the kid has a job and gets married and has kids of their own, okay, done, it's their life, et cetera. That's not my approach at all. I have four children. They are somewhere between 40 and 46, 47 maybe, Um, and my attitude toward those kids is to constantly, without interfering, and this takes some real grace if I... Um, you know, there are times when I stick my foot in my mouth. But um, I, I really work with them in terms of their own consciousness in a way that they never really even understood. They always have said to me, oh, mom, you and your ideas. Oh, mom, you know, oh, that's just mom, you know, etc. But um, as they've gotten now to be in their late 30s and into their middle 40s, they have really come to realize that they have a different approach to life. Um, Just one little tiny example. Um, When my oldest daughter was in nursing school, one of the days of nursing school, they had to practice giving one another shots, and then the next day they had to practice doing intravenous stuff. And, the, you know, the whole class was poking each other all day. Everybody's arms were full of holes. They were sore. They were crying. Some of them didn't like it, etc. So my daughter comes home, and she's telling me about this day and how awful it was. And just in a very casual way, I said to her, okay, tomorrow when you go in, I want you to, when you pick up that needle and you're going to do, you know, put that needle into somebody's vein, I want you to imagine that your eyeball is right on the end of that needle and you are just allowing that eyeball to guide you and it'll, you know, the needle will go in perfectly. She came back the next day and she said, oh my God, what a difference. And, you know, for, and she became the premier, um, you know, person to do intravenous anything. Um, and on every floor and in every place she ever worked, she was always the best. And, and it's, you know, that kind of little thing. I have another daughter who's a CPA and, you know, her, her skill. Um, you know, I we started I started teaching her how to edit because she did some editing uh for grammar and spelling in some of my books, and I said to her, just turn the pages very casually and and allow your eye to fall on the mistake that needs to be fixed on on any given page. And that became a habit. When she became a CPA, she could flip through somebody's tax return, and her eye would just fall on the mistake, and she would say, wow. "What is this number? Why is it here?"
2: So <laughs> that's amazing.
3: To end up, you know, discovering how to bring out the skills, the intuitive skills of each individual, and get that child to understand that they have a gift, and that they have to give the gift. And that they also are responsible for their consciousness and that the goal is to be able to get to a point where every day you get up and you say, I'm gonna make the world a better place today. Whoever is lucky enough to run into me is gonna feel a lot better in whether it's a thirty second interaction or a three hour meeting. So So let me let me ask
1: of, you let me ask you real the quick doing, though, Penny. When you have and then then I do want to get back to your kundalini journey. But since we kind of went off in this direction, what do you do if you have uh grown children who, you know, let's say you've you've been divorced from, you know, their your, your spouse and these children uh-huh. have come to a conclusion about you that isn't really accurate, but they're all you know, they've all basically disowned you for lack of a better word, you know, and uh, you've tried to have conversations with them and they just, they don't want to hear what you have to say. You know, basically they have their perceptions and they're right. And, and so there's this huge rift between you and your children, which is really heartbreaking. So what do you do in a situation like that when you have children who don't really want to communicate, don't want to see anything differently and you're kind of just stuck with it yourself. I mean, how do you handle something like yeah. that?
3: Okay, well, I've had um, one or two situations where it wasn't quite like that, but it came close, um, you know, because kids are growing up and they they are going to do what they do and they want to think what they think. the The first thing I tell people is stop trying to get the relationship to be other than what it is. Let it be what it is. The second thing I say is keep your dignity, you know. And then the third thing is, you know, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to get from those kids? You know, maybe everything is perfect just the way it is. And and then the next question is, what could you give that might be accepted? And just a little quick thing. There was a point where my son, I don't know, he got mad at me for some reason. I don't even know what the reason was. Um, and I didn't care. Um, I just felt like he was off base or he was, you know, he didn't really understand. Um, and so he stopped talking to me. And so yeah, after about a month of not hearing from him, I was like, hmm, okay. So I called him on the phone and I said, hi, you know, just want to, I haven't heard from you. I just wondering how you are. I hope you're okay. Love you. Bye. And. You know, didn't hear anything. And several times I went over to his house, knocked on the door, nobody answered. So I'd leave a little note, you know, hi, you know, your aunt and uncle are here for this weekend. If you want to come over, come on. Um, Bye, love you. (laughs) And I just kept extending a very quiet, no pressure hand that left it all up to him. And about, I think it was seven months later, one day he called me on the phone and, and, you know, he was chatting away and in the middle of the conversation, he said, you know, I was really mad at you. And I said, you were, I'll be darned. <laughs> so, you know, I wasn't about to get into that at that point. Yes. The whole thing was that I'm here if you want me. Right. I'm here if you need me, period.
0: Yes.
2: Now, that brings up another question, Penny, about the present, the past and the future. You mentioned there in when you were speaking about death and where you talked about you know going into this way station and having to deal with issues that you perhaps let's use that word should or or could have done better. Now that involves to me anyway my understanding of it involves a little of going back into the past and now when we talk about these rift in relationships with your children for example Uh, it it, it may necessitate going back into the past for a time. But you choose then, then in that situation, not to go into the past. Oh, I'll be darned, you said, you know, like as if that didn't exist. What mattered was now. But I'm puzzled by the Kundalini experience, the way you've described it in your books, seems to be an all-encompassing past, present and future altogether and and yet when you describe these situations in in life and in death it seems that you're focused only on the now, on the moment. So I'm trying to understand how, how does the past play into this and how does the future play into it if we follow all the guidance that's out there about living in the moment. So what's the right perspective if there is such a thing as a right perspective?
3: I'm not sure that I grasp. I I sense that your question is much bigger than I'm grasping, but I'm. Let me say this, um, and then you ask more if you need to ask more. Um, When you when let me go back to the situation with my son. The moment that we were in that conversation, I needed to stay in the present with him and not be dragging up the past about 3 months later that particular comment came up again and i very casually said what were you upset about and he said to me i don't even know and i said oh okay and and there was no you know recrimination no guilt trip no you shouldn't be talking to me like that no you shouldn't be treating me like that there was none of that kind of attitude And that addresses that part of your question in which you said, if we follow the guidance that's out there, most of that guidance is crap, if I do say so myself. Mm -hmm. Um, What you have to follow is the truth that is present in the moment that you are in. And if that truth says that you are angry and vengeful, then you go ahead and indulge that and you will learn some pretty serious lessons about how not to drag up the past. Right. And you'll be a little more cautious next time. Right. And you'll get to a place, eventually we work ourselves into this place where we are willing to roll forward always with joy, always with this sense of, it can be handled, it's not the end of the world, and the idea that you have to get angry you know if somebody calls you you know the b-word if you're a woman and some man calls you the b-word that's a bad thing you should be very insulted and very angry and you know get even well you know that's just it's just a word
2: mm-hmm. uh,
3: yes we shouldn't be treating each other like that and no it's not fun and no you know but it's by gosh it's going to make you look at yourself and go hmm yes. okay is that how well, i am or are you going to allow yourself to actually become exactly what somebody just called you because you feel like you have been insulted? Um, you know, it's just, there's a lot of rules around getting angry. There's a lot of rules around having to feel insulted when certain things are said or done. There's a lot of rules around losing trust. Um, there's a lot of rules that are just ridiculous. Yes. They're not productive at all.
2: Penny, can we just take a quick studio break right here? But when we come back, I do want to ask you the question about initiating Kundalini in another person. And particularly uh, when you spoke about the intimate moment with your, your partner at the time, I'd love to know. You know, you had an an absolutely marvelous experience. I'd love to know if that also sparks some kind of an initiation or a beginning of the experience in another person, but do hold on to that question until we come back right after this break.
0: Okay. This is the
2: Art of Living Well Radio Network,
0: radio to inspire enlightened living. the Honest to God series with Ann Gale Rose and Ahanu.
1: And thank you very much everybody. Welcome back to our show. You're listening to Ann Rose and Ahanu on the Honest to God series with our guest today, uh, the wonderful Penny Kelly. So Penny, just before the break, Ahanu was asking a question. I, I think his question was, when you have a kundalini experience, does that somehow trigger it in the other person if you happen to be uh, with a partner when it's happening?
3: Uh, No, it doesn't. Um, And this is something that I think it's a a great question because it's really an important point. The only way you can have a Kundalini experience is if you open. Somebody else can't make you open, although sometimes when you get into... Let me say somebody can't make you open um, unless you're already open. So let's talk about um, people who go to see a guru, and they're hoping for some kind of, you know, aha or enlightenment or something. They're open, and sometimes you know, just a look, just a look, or just as heartfelt. Um, wave of love that you put out into the room will open somebody you don't ever know who and you don't know why that particular person Um, but sometimes that will happen but for instance in the intimate moment that I had um, you know nothing happened for my partner except that he was like you know concerned that I was suddenly absolutely silent like I was dead (laughs) and was worried that something happened. Um you know, well, that that moment I came back he was like, Are you okay? Let's extend and that
2: like, question then to to the children, because we were talking about our children just before the break. And uh, when I say our children, I mean children in general, children all over the world, the children of, of our, of us, our extensions of ourselves, our creations, let's call them. When you have a Kundalini experience, and I'm coming at this now from the point of view of we're all one kind of an approach, does it help your children, your creations in some way? Uh, you know, I asked, does it, does, does Kundalini get initiated in your partner? And you said no, but, When we awaken, in what way does that help or affect our children?
3: Oh, that's um, (laughs) it. It affects our children a lot. I mean, my children, I think, are pretty much used to it now. But the uh, to, to go to a phrase that I use sometimes when you have when you have created someone. Your responsibility is to raise that person being child to the fullness of their own consciousness and their own power. And and so, you know, I've taken that on and also with a lot of students and a lot of clients, same thing, you know, bringing them into full consciousness, into full power. And what you get away from is all of the metaphysical illusion that's out there. And what you get deeply into is the truth of what's happening right now. And, and a perfect example of that is in the world we have right now. Um, for instance, there's all kinds of stuff moving around the inter- Internet, and it's been one disaster scenario after the next, Um you know, I think the latest one is um, Nibiru and Comet Ison, you know, et cetera, and all the drama of of what's going to happen and earthquake, uh-huh. you know, trouble, name yes. So you know, that is a huge distraction from the real and present issue that we have of Fukushima. That is something that, you know, nobody's paying attention to. There's been a blackout in terms of news from Japan. Um, you know, I happen to be working with a team of people that are, um, deeply, deeply involved with Japan and the, you know, the government over there and the, the removal or handling of those nuclear rods. And when they started the first day of moving those rods, Um, into a safer place I think was November 18th you know I for two days I spent every spare moment uh, just imagining that I was over there holding those rods kind of stroking them you know filling them with this pink loving light imagining that whoever was operating the crane was just feeling centered and calm and as graceful as a Japanese dancer and Mm. you know just sending love and light Um, you know that is the most that we can do here um, at this point but um, you know we they're they're not going to be finished moving that until December uh, 2014 so Mm. another year and And, um, and when you talk about
2: Talk about these distractions, Penny, because I, a lot of our listeners are in that—let's call it a metaphysical or, or spiritual space. They're they're seeking, as we all are, seeking growth and seeking a, a growth of awareness and seeking enlightenment. And we all do get caught up in the in the theories and in the the, the latest news and the latest conspiracies and and all of, as you said, the the, the icons right. of this world, these stories. And when, when you say that it's a distraction, wh- what is it trying to distract us from? Now, I know you mentioned Japan, but I'm trying to get at the bigger picture. Do you mean in, in terms of healing the earth in some way? Or, or what, what is it people are trying to distract us from?
3: Usually from the self. The right. distraction is from the self. Right. And we have so um, adopted the idea that we need to be entertained yes. in doing something exciting or be, you know, totally distracted by some interesting illusion um, every minute that we aren't paying attention to ourselves. If our life is boring, that means you're not doing what you came here to do. If you have any moment of free time, use that free time to investigate who you are, what do you like to do, what do you not like. Don't sit there drinking coffee and watching TV Mm -hmm. um, or drinking beer and watching TV, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and and wishing that your life was different. Um, That just isn't going to work. I, um, you know, I just wish people would. It goes like this. First, you have to. Um, get yourself in order and then you can begin to put some energy into the family around you if you have family or friends and then maybe you can make a little bit of difference within the um, setting in which you work and then maybe you can reach out into the community in which you live or the neighborhood and then maybe you can have an effect on the greater world as well but for the huge majority of people the task is right in the center of themselves and they haven't begun that and so everything that they're trying to do out there in the neighborhood or the job or the world is a mistake because they haven't figured out their own truth you cannot see truth until you're willing to see your own truth
2: Yes, yes. Now some weeks ago, I'm not sure if it was the last time you were on the radio show with us or if we had read it in your book I'm not sure but you did say at some point about what radiation is and when you when you talked about it you said that radiation was at a higher frequency than us so therefore that's why it, it, it affects us it damages us it burns us and if we could raise ourselves to the frequency of radiation um, then then it wouldn't have any effect on us so do you think that's where we're probably going as we raise our frequencies then these, these things like the Fukushima radiation will have no effect on us.
3: I do. I do. I'm pretty certain that the radiation um, it probably would not have occurred if we had as a mass group of people entered into enlightenment um, we have not done that. We're moving in that direction. We're evolving, and I'm really grateful um to see signs of that um and I think that as we raise our own frequency and become more and more um you know light, then you know the the goal of enlightenment is to for the body to become you know light we We dissolve into light and And once you do that, and this is something that I'm just learning now, um, once you do that, you can manifest a physical body again. I mean, you can have a physical body, um, but you also are operating from this body of light. and it is a whole different order of consciousness and function. And in radiation, what you get are these huge, Particles. I, I think they're beta particles um, you know that are given off and they're big and fat and heavy and they're still small compared to you know you can't see them in the air um, but if they hit you and they move through the body it's sort of like a bowling ball moving through pins at the end of the bowling alley it knocks a lot of cellular function uh, apart and you know creates a hole that has to be repaired and it's a big nuisance for the body and allowing that kind of thing to move through without damage is a question of how dense you are physically and when you begin to turn into light you're not quite as dense physically. Mm -hmm. You can still look like you have a physical body but it's not as dense.
2: So the Kundalini rising helps raise the frequency which moves us into this body of light, and then the these physical issues like radiation doesn't have as much effect on us. Is that more or less a summary of what you're saying?
3: That's it. Right. That's it. That's right. a good...
2: Yeah. Right. Now, sorry, Angel Rose wants to ask.
1: Penny, going back to your Kundalini experience, and I know there's lots of ways people can have a Kundalini experience, but yours was <coughs> spontaneous, and very uh, all encompassing. And you did go through, you know, a hard time afterwards after that. So, can you talk to our listeners about the difficulties of raising Kundalini and, um, as well as the gifts that are activated? You know, what's the downside? Okay. Um,
3: I would say that the downside, we'll do the downside first and then we'll, you know, go to the good side. <laughs> The downside is that when you are fully awakened, you are awake, and there is no sleep after that. You don't drop into this familiar blankness, and that is a big problem. And that lasted for about two and a half, almost three years. the The other, the next thing I would say, the other thing that was right up there with this disturbing, you know, lack of sleep, was this immense. Um, activity in the body that was so unfamiliar um there would be this rumbling sound and then there would be this heart starting to pound um you know 150 200 beats a minute and and then you'd have this spontaneous orgasm and and this brings up something that i wanted to mention let me veer off for just a second here um you know, the whole question about sex and why is there sex, maybe we should have a conversation about that sometime. But the, the fact of the matter is that when you go into a full Kundalini experience, it is, and it, it creates orgasm all the way up in every center of the body, all, and including in the brain. Um, and, you know, and so people have been, you know, have, have said, I had an orgasm in my brain. And, and uh, you know, I'm like, yep, I know exactly what that is. But after the initial thing, there continue to be spontaneous orgasms because when the body is aligning itself with the Godhead, the Godhead is this place of enormous bliss. And that bliss is, is like a thousand times greater than your best orgasm ever thought about being. And the, the, you know, what you begin to realize is that sex is an experience of the Godhead and that when you know, like I would be vacuuming, or I would be driving, or I would be shopping, or I would be in a conversation or a meeting at work, and all of a sudden this whole set of symptoms would occur. Once you make that alignment, there's some kind of innate, innate intelligence within that that draws you to that same experience again and again because you, you kind of enter a perfected state. Um, and mind you I'm not perfect that's for sure (laughs) but I can see the process Uh, I'm a lot further along than I was back then you know I was 31 I think at the time and um, and the body wants to perfect itself and one of my teachers has said over and over one of my teachers from the other side said it's all in the body And Mm. it took me 30 years to get that.
0: Wow. It took
3: me 30 years to realize, oh, my God, it is, you know, it isn't this mental, spiritual thing. It's a physical event. It's a physical confluence or congruence between the body and the mind. So does
2: that... does that explain then the reason why we take on the body in the first place, like to go full circle with this? we started our conversation today speaking about your the death of your sister, and you know when we talked about the why is death necessary at all, and do you feel that it's 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 part of that reincarnation is part of that karma thing that we come back to take on the body so that we can understand this rise to the Godhead.
3: Um, Yes and more. (laughs) We come back to have a body because you can't get into the heaven world without a body. Okay? You have to... This particular dimension of existence which I'll call our world on planet earth in 2013 and all the people and all the animals and all the plants and all the water and all the insects and all of the trees and all the grass and everything, all the houses, every single person living here, everyone has to eventually become light. You can't transform here if you're not here, <laughs> duh, um, you can't. You have to have a body in order to get to full spiritual enlightenment. And one of the things I'm working on my next book right now, one of the things that I do emphasize in that book is, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about, I'm out of here. You know, I'm beyond this place. I'm over this. I'm better than this. And I think, oh, wow, have you got some things to learn? Because it's all about the body and the experience here and learning how to become a body of light in yourself. And, and then as we do that, the Earth is, you know, we have these nuclear meltdowns that there's now three nuclear reactors in Japan that they can't find. You know, the reaction is going on somewhere down in the Earth. Hmm. Mother Earth is alive. And she is also being forced to transform now. And, you know, so we're at the on the precipice of becoming either a dead planet or a highly enlightened planet. And yes. um, and I, I tell people, don't blow off the body. You have to have a body in order to get to enlightenment. Otherwise, what have you got to enlighten if it isn't the body?
1: Yeah, and this brings up a really good point, Penny, because, you know, I do remember when I was a little girl, being shocked when my mother told me people got sick and they died and I thought what do you mean you know i i just to me it was it was an insane possibility okay and and i've always had an issue with that you know and and i've always believed too yeah. that the whole point of existence was to master you know the physical or be able to take yourself into light and basically overcome death. I mean, to me, that's what the goal is really. You know, you're not really, in my mind, you're not really free until you can do that. And that's right. You know, and, um, so let me ask you then too, because this, is it necessary to have a Kundalini experience for that? physical reaction to happen and the reason I'm asking you this and and it comes to a second part that says can people be having little spontaneous kundalini risings throughout the course of their life with 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 lessons they're learning or you know you you evolve and you grow you know does that somehow rise the kundalini you know only slowly and also it also brings up practices like kundalini yoga and I tried to do that years ago, and I'm telling you, I just got so depressed. I mean, I could feel the energy moving up. It would go into my crown and and all of that. And I do have memories of doing this in ancient Egypt and all of that. But for some reason, every time I did Kundalini Yoga, I just got so depressed. And it went on for months, six months to a year. And I finally stopped because I didn't feel that I could ever break through whatever that was. Okay. But. But I had a dream this one night, and I had these two female beings come to me. They were tall, they looked identical, and I actually felt that I knew them. But they gave me this chalice of this liquid to drink, and the liquid was kind of a golden-orange color. And I remember drinking it, and suddenly I was traveling what I considered hyperspace, through these tunnels of the earth and make a long story short it, it led me to a whole other dimension but after that um I had a lot of my psychic abilities turned on you know within a few months I was my my fourth dimensional sight was on I was had x-ray vision was seeing through people and that brought me to a lot of my healing work but what about cases like that I mean what's what's going on in those types of situations
3: yeah, those. that's excellent. Um, there are many, many ways to trigger um, Kundalini, just being present, just the practice of being present and allowing yourself to feel what you're feeling. That is one of the major ways of awakening you don't have to have this massive awful experience that I had in which you know I thought I was gonna burn up or I mean there were times when I was sure I was gonna burst into flame or explode you know either from the head or the butt one or the other Um, and there were just you know there were times when I couldn't eat there were times when I couldn't drink there were times when I couldn't stop there were times when I couldn't leave the house because of the orgasmic stuff that was happening it was just a big, difficult period. But the biggest difficulty of all was the period in which I was having to face the truth. What happens with Kundalini is you stop the illusion. And so you don't need that whole breakthrough thing in the crown chakra and all that stuff. You know, the result of that whole, you know, experience And and like I had or like you trying to get through that crown chakra, the result of that is that you begin to be um, honest with yourself about what you're seeing, what you're surrounded by, who, you know, what did somebody mean when they said X, Y, and Z, etc. And you're stopping the whole process of building the illusion and starting to go into seeing the truth. For me... That resulted in the loss of the entire relationship, my house, you know, the, the the whole thing, just my whole life fell apart. My job, I became dysfunctional. I couldn't stay in one time in one place. So all of that, those were the results. And then as I learned how to manage those results, I realized that the experience of Kundalini itself was just leading me to being able to be present and to, you know, to understand that there was a power there that I could use and to start using it. And that's exactly what you did when you drank that orange liquid. You know, that really opened up something within you. And, you know, you can't... There, what is that old saying? There's a hundred ways to skin a cat or more than one way. Not that I'm into cat skinning, but... um there's lots and lots of ways to approach enlightenment. One way is just simply fasting, and I don't mean total fasting. I mean just partial fasting and meditation and exercise. And you do that steadily, you know, that's a story that I could tell about my, which I am putting in my next book, is, is about this, you know, I came right to the edge of the cliff, in terms of enlightenment, I was dissolving into light and I got scared and I backed away and I immediately started eating again. I started, you know, I stopped the exercise, I stopped the meditation and and backed away from the whole thing. But it was um, a pretty powerful experience. And, you yeah, know, so there's another way fasting, etc. cetera. Sometimes, um, you know, an act of kindness will trigger a huge awakening and there are multiple awakenings. It's not like Kundalini awakens once and, oh, you're all done. You're spiritually awake, you know, you're all all better. It doesn't work that way. It's just the beginning of a whole series of awakenings. And so to this day, 30 years later, you know, that Kundalini kicks in every so often and I have some sort of really, spectacular experience um you know and and it changes me at some level and I discover new things etc mm. so it's a process it's Penny, an ongoing process
2: i i've i've read your book the evolving human and it as it is just one fascinating absolutely gripping read from page to the page and I'd love to just refer to I mean i could refer to every single page of this book but on page 214 you're coming to a conclusion about the evolving human really and you're speaking with some of your guide and they said they said to you you're trying to go back to being an undeveloped woman move ahead to become an ordinary woman and then it goes on to say let me just read these couple of small paragraphs in a flash it dawned on me that i was just an ordinary woman that what I had become through my experiences with Kundalini was exactly what an ordinary woman was meant to become. For the first time in what seemed like aeons, I remembered that awakening Kundalini was not just a curse, a challenge, or a destiny. It was simply part of our inherent design. We were meant to go from the limited perception and action we thought of as normal, to the developed perception and activity that allowed us to see, hear, travel, and act globally. We were meant to develop a whole new view of the workings of reality. In doing so, we would move comfortably from the experience of our reality as a place where things were limited to happening right now, at this moment and in this place, to an experience of reality that was unconfined in time and space. We were meant to continue developing the body-mind until we understood that we were part of, and in communication with, everything that existed. If anything was happening at all, it was happening everywhere, including in us. If we performed some thought or action, its effect was felt everywhere, even across the world. Ours was a reality in which we were designed to evolve. We were not limited to the immediate environment for our entire life, or to action and perception only at this moment and in this place." Now I loved that little piece because it it summarised for me what our whole lives were about really in the sense of us moving from mediocrity to magnificent, to coin a phrase, that what we perceive as our ordinary lives can in fact be extraordinary in that moment when we realize that there is some wonderful, deeper purpose behind it all. Can you comment on that, Penny?
3: Yeah, um I haven't heard that for a while. Thank you, Ohana. <laughs> I wrote that a long
2: time ago. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
3: you know, we are designed to evolve and we are, and we know that. And we are willing to come back here and try again and again and again. And the whole thing about karma is, is part of that, uh, illusion, you know, that we're coming back here yeah. to pay back somebody or for, you know, to, you know, write something. We're actually coming back to practice using power wisely, to practice knowing without limit, to practice getting past um, the world. The world teaches you all these silly limitations, all these rules and regulations, all of these habits of mind and expectations, etc. And the world was always known in ancient times as the great Satan. It was the thing that you had to overcome. The teachings of the world were the mistake And the teachings that came from within the self were the truth that you had to learn to follow. If you were going to do that, you had to be willing to walk alone. You had to be willing to speak when no one else was willing to speak the truth. You had to be willing to take a stand. you know, that's just, um, it's not happening very often. It's not happening enough in our world, and and every single person has to eventually come to this place of waking up, taking a stand, taking action, falling in love with the self, with the body, nurturing the body, whatever it is, you know, everybody's body is different, and nobody is really quite happy with theirs, but, you know, they're all very beautiful, and... And that is what we are here to learn to celebrate. We are multidimensional beings and we are not limited to this time in this space. And, you know, I was just this morning, I was thinking about some knowing that I have and and seeing the future and thinking, oh, well, this will be interesting to watch. Um, you know, Kundalini develops one's intuition and that intuition is, by definition, knowing from within, instead of, you know, believing what the world tells you you should be knowing. Yeah. You know from within.
1: All right. In uh, unfortunately, again, we're running out of time. So Penny, you know, this is obviously a continuing saga with us. Okay, but but um, what I wanted That's to say good, is. It's it's like a few weeks ago we actually did an Akasha group on Kundalini and we we asked Source its definition of Kundalini, and it immediately said it's called the path of courage, and I thought that was such an interesting answer. I mean, it did go into a lot of what you're talking about as well in terms of, you know, I I think from my own experience, religion has so thwarted the whole idea of how important the body is because being raised catholic especially sexually yeah. you know it it was all about yeah. avoidance avoidance denial denial don't don't like your body don't don't explore the body it's a it, yeah. in fact some of these et channelings that are coming through uh are are saying oh well your body's just a container that you're using and and I, for some reason I sh- I just shrink up at that phrase to me it's just so degrading you know and uh yeah. it ha- it has taken me you know I'm 60 years old now it has taken me until I'm going to say the last 2 years to really be able to love my body and really appreciate the actual ascension chamber that it actually is because it you know it is literally an ascension chamber and Yes, it is. You know, so I think people, they are, they're so distracted, especially now with money and loss of jobs. And certainly I would love to have a conversation about sexuality because it seems to me, you know, that we're all stuck in in that lower form of sex. And we don't even realize that you can have sex with every single uh, level of reality along the way, every single chakra up up to the brain. And I've had some of those experiences, and you know, but people seem to be only stuck in the physical act of sexuality. So, in our last few minutes, I know I just said a mouthful, but you know, we, could you comment on any of that?
3: You know, I think we need to have a conversation on sex nationally as well as maybe globally. Um, this, I've spent the last year studying the history of the world and religion and the effect of, of religion, the goddess religions, et cetera, and way back. And, you know, it's, um, it's pretty clear that religion is a control mechanism and it is really destructive. That is not to say that you should not believe in God or a higher source. That is not to say that you should you know, run out and and abandon your church if you really like the people and you know and the messages, or maybe you know it's the only time you get to sit down for the whole week <laughs> um, and just relax and not have to interact um, or 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 but um, if you're not developing along the lines of truth, then the religion is not going to do you any good. And you know you're right. there is a whole conversation there around the sexuality. Um, and consciousness of wisdom and power. And, um, you know, I just, I think at some point, we're going to have to face that whole sexual thing and really rethink it, rework it, and reteach it.
2: All right, we do have to begin our little winding down process here now, and I'd like to just remind our listeners that we've been speaking with Penny Kelly and Penny can be contacted at pennykelly.com, pennykelly.com. And uh, we will ask you to give your contact details again when I come to the end of this. I'd like to do a little summary of what we've talked about today, Penny. We covered the waste station. You described that waste station so wonderfully and how we heal back to our state of perfection and we we covered the whys of life and death and you mentioned about that place in spirit where all things are recorded Uh, we put our name on it as the akashic records but the fact is that every every thought and every every uh, event is recorded for all life everywhere and we spoke a little bit about the big bang theory the awakening of kundalini and you spoke about your particular experience Reaching for power, immersing yourself in the moment, and we talked about the past, present, and future of that, and then you spoke really beautifully about being responsible for what we create and that wheel of karma and how our children are on their own spiritual journey, but yet we're responsible also for them for that spiritual approach really the the spiritual approach to child rearing is what you covered, and then You said that we should leave our relationships be what they are and stop trying to manipulate and maneuver them. And we talked also about opening Kundalini in another person and your particular experiences around that. All those metaphysical illusions. We talked about raising our frequency in the hows and whys we would do that. You covered the Fukushima radiation. You talked a little bit about boredom in life and why people are bored and what they can do about it and the process of manifesting a body of light and then you did go into some detail although our time is really not enough to cover such a wonderful subject but you talked a little bit about the downside and of course the upside of Kundalini rising and then just in the last short while then we talked about the necessity for a body we talked about sexuality, religion, power control and consciousness. Now that has been an absolutely wonderful conversation today. We should schedule a discussion on sexuality and uh, we will just arrange that with you separately and privately off the air. So we would like to say a huge thank you to you Penny under your present circumstances there in Lawton, Michigan. We really appreciate you coming on today.
1: Penny could you also tell our listeners how they can contact you and also the name of your new book and when you expect it to be finished? Uh okay you
3: can contact me at www.pennykelly.com or my there's an email info at pennykelly.com and um I am working on volume 3 of consciousness and energy It's consciousness and energy volume three that'll be the third book in that series which is a study and research of various aspects of consciousness um, and I expect I'm hoping that it will be done out and published by next May the end of May I am working on it now sometimes I get delayed um, sometimes I get a you know I had a schedule but that doesn't happen very often but I think by May it should be in print, which is kind of a ways out there yet. But, um, you know, that's actually to say it's a, on Amazon shelves and available. That's uh, it's a piece of work to get all that together.
1: All right. Thank you yeah. so much. And penny blessings to you and your family and even your sister now as she's on her spiritual flight and, uh, we will be in contact and we appreciate you coming on. We love you very much. So have a blessed, uh, blessed, blessed day. Uh, Penny, thank you.
2: Thank you, Penny. Right. Thank you, Penny, oh. indeed. Okay.
1: Well, to both of you.
2: And the same to you. All right, so to wind down now, let us just announce a couple of little things. We we do have a nice announcement coming up for you next week. But our sponsor this week is Twin Flame Hosting, consciously hosting your spiritual website since 1993 at twinflamehosting.com. And if you would like to sponsor an episode or the full Honest to God series, contact us at Angel angelrose at angelrose.com. Now, remember our free group Akashic Records online tomorrow morning and uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time is when it's on. More information at worldofempowerment.com And that brings us to the end until next Saturday at 8 a.m. Pacific time. We send you our love, our blessings. Thank Thank you for listening to Ahanu and Angel Rose on the Honest to God series. And as we say in Ireland, slán agus beannacht de live Galeir. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network.
0: Radio to inspire enlightened living. 60 seconds. The Honest to God series with Ann Gale Rose and Ahanu.